following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Life's complicated, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, well, I'm glad it's not complicated for you. It is, it is for us um, and our family. Um, this, well, the, the, <laughs> There's a lot swirling around here. Um, this this past week, um, we we marked the what what we affectionately refer to in my home as my FAS anniversary, which is weird since I've not been struggling with any FAS sy- symptoms for the last few months. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's not all gone, um, but um, now it just feels like I'm running downhill every time I talk. Uh, kind of out of control sometimes. Uh, I do live on a mountain, you're right. Um, we've got, uh, Carolina has been working real hard on getting her schooling finished, which has been hard. A lot of anyway, sorry. A lot of pressure on her to get things finished so that she can um, maintain her uh, licensing and stuff for school. Uh, keep working. Um, things continue going well at the middle school, um, but it's clear just how difficult um, it is to divide my time and attention and energy. Uh, between that and and our family and and you all and preparing sermons and trying to stay connected um, and it just everything's all the plates are spinning and on the sticks and they're all really wobbly right now that's that's what it feels like um, and then all the rules changing for uh, COVID guidance and guidelines and the the, honestly, the stress and strain of not knowing what what is the best thing to do. Um, I can I can say my my tenure in ministry is short comparatively speaking, but we've never I've never had to obviously none of us really have ever had to navigate anything quite like this. Um, but we we are um, I guess following the trend of of going uh, mask optional. Um, starting next Sunday, uh, so you have some time to process that and what that looks like for your family and for yourself and, and what, what, is, what is best for you. We, we, I've, never been, I've never been a fan of legislating um, choices for people, um, so making rules rather than dealing with individuals has always been pretty unpopular in, in at least in my thinking. So we're, we're giving everyone the freedom to decide what they want to do. 
um, and we'll respect each other's choices because we love one another, right? So um, I don't know how you feel about that, and I really can't control that either, uh, and that would be silly to even think I could. So that's what we're going to do. Um, uh, I'm a fan of the saying, let's do something even if it's wrong. <laughs> Uh, just we're going to do what we can and, and um, hope for the best. We're trusting in the Lord, um, and I I can't help how you feel about Mass or not Mass, or um, but that's that's what we're we're doing right now. Uh, we we want to do what's best for our family and and uh, exercising the wisdom that the Lord gives us uh, to protect ourselves um, or take whatever risks as acceptable. Uh, I believe that uh, we can we can all handle that. So that's what the elders have decided, and that's what we're going to do moving forward. Uh, and again, treat each other with love and respect. If you have a differing view, that's perfectly acceptable. Um, we don't disagreement and hatred don't go together. So disagreement and love certainly do have a way of working things out. So. So, what did I forget? I wanted to come and pray for you. Okay. <laughs> so, I want to add one more thing to the list before you do. Um, we, uh, Our family has been dealing with a car shortage, I, I guess. Our van is officially totaled. Um, so, we've, we've, um, we've said goodbye to Tommy, our, <laughs> our van. <laughs> so, um, we're, we're praying that... Uh, Tommy's stand-in will, will happen. At least the ball will start rolling today um, as we scoop right out of here to go to a graduation party and uh, try to get a car at the same time. I hope she doesn't mind that we take her car. from the, We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, so it just is a lot of, anyway, a lot of plate spinning. So I... I don't want to talk about that anymore. So if you want to pray, that's great. <laughs> we can just that I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we've both been fully vaccinated, so the fact that I yeah. don't have my mask up, we breathe at each other over breakfast every week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we just want to come before you and intercede for Pastor Heath this morning. I praise you, Father, for the the many spinning plates and the things you allow him to do in the course of a week. It's amazing. And we just pray now you settle his heart, focus his attention and mind on your word and what he has for us as you have given him. And we want to continue, Lord. We'll pledge to keep him in prayer through the week and his family for all of these different issues. We just want to say, Lord, we love you. We love him. And just steady his heart now this morning as we bring him before you. In the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you. Hi, brother. Oh, okay. thank you for calling us that you weren't leaving. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't afford, I can't afford to move. I, honestly, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. All right, so I'll start off every time now. We're not leaving, but I have some things I want to. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We're moving. Um, <laughs> she will refuse to work. All right, all right, all right. Stop fooling around. It's time to be serious here. So we are going to go back to First Peter. 
Um, this morning we're going to look at uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and that's page 1014 in the Pew Bibles, First um, Peter 2. And last week we talked a little bit about um, what holy living looks like. Um, if you remember from chapter 1, we discussed um, lots of arguments in favor of holy living, um, so much so that it seems pretty ironclad that uh, holy living is, uh, is our responsibility as disciples of Jesus Christ, as maturing disciples. Holy living is, is part of that. Um, and chapter 1 also wrapped up with a great first step in what holy living really looks like brotherly love. Uh, now, often, um, I think at least from my perspective, the Bible gets a bad rap for being just a list of do's and don'ts. Um, and, uh, but in truth, there are some, there's some do's and don'ts. Um, there's some logic to that thinking, unfortunately. Um, there's some, there, there are some Conditional statements involved. Uh, for example, like we talked about, um, if you call on God as father, then you ought to act like his children, right? Um, well, chapter two starts off the same exact way uh, based on the end of chapter one, because chapter divisions are our invention. Um, chapter two starts off based on the end of chapter 1 and the command to love one another. So if the do's is to love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, as Peter wrote in chapter 1, then the don'ts are here at the beginning of chapter 2. And these these things go together. Uh, so let's read that together. We'll pray and work our way through. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for... Uh, your love for us, and your activity in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that there's, there's no challenge that we face that uh, is a surprise to you, is happening separate from you, but you are at work uh, in each of us, helping us to grow, helping us to grow more dependent on you, um, helping us to mature as disciples of Jesus Christ. So now, Lord, as we pray, uh, as I pray that as we turn our attention to your word, your spirit would speak and we would know more about you, more about your love for us, more about how we ought to live as your children and how we can grow to be more like our Savior, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So this chapter division here, this big number two, isn't really helpful when it comes to keeping thoughts connected because obviously chapter one ends, right? So we'll move on to something new. Well, no, they just didn't want chapter one to be so long. Uh, these, these 
verses rely heavily on where we just came from last week in chapter 1. These thoughts, uh, which we're going to outline here, are all based on the idea of being born again and the brotherly love from a pure heart that grows out, that flows out of that new birth. We're not what we once were. We're something totally different now. And here is what comes out of that. And the do's and don'ts here are quite obvious. You could call them virtues and vices if you want to impress your friends with your vocabulary. But that would be superfluous. You're welcome. So the virtues here, the list of do's, right? The virtues are brotherly love and loving one another from a pure heart, right? From chapter one. But in order for these virtues to grow... The vices have to die. And what are the vices? Right here in verse 1. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. It's kind of an ugly list. And Peter uses the words that are translated here as put away. Put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, uh, envy, and slander. And... The, the idea of the Greek expression there, it's kind of an idiom which doesn't translate well to English, but the idea does. It's the idea of taking off ratty, dirty old clothes and put, get rid of them, take them off, laying aside old clothes, not just to be washed and worn again uh, like your favorite old flannel shirt. These are to be thrown out and burned like your wife wants to do to it. Right? Just get rid of it. James uses the same words in James chapter 1, verse 22, when he says, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Same idea. Put away those things. Take them off. Get rid of them. Paul uses it also in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. The the whole putting off the old self and putting on the new self is a recurring theme um, in the New Testament. Righteousness and holiness, that new self, putting that on. And as Peter has been dealing with it, putting uh, putting on of the new clothes is holy living, beginning with brotherly love. That's what it looks like. But in order to put on the new clothes of brotherly love, we have to deal with taking off the old clothes. You don't just put new clothes on over the old clothes and hope for the best. Um, You still stink. Yeah. So, yep. So we don't want to do that. So dealing with the taking off the old clothes. Now this this list uh, from Peter is in no way comprehensive, and these I'm not going to make a five point sermon out of these five words. Um, who likes that? We're in the one point sermons here. All right? This is not a complete list of things that disciples of Jesus Christ should avoid. Just don't do these five things, and you're good. All right? Don't do these five things and you're off to a good start, (laughs) right? These ideas uh, are, however, directly related 
to Peter's command to love one another out of a pure heart. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, envy, and slander. Think about, think about these ideas and what they really are. These are directly opposed to brotherly love. Like, they are the opposite of loving one another out of a pure heart, which flows from being born again through faith in Jesus Christ. They're the opposite. St. Augustine said, Malice delights in another's hurt. Envy pines at another's good. Deceit imparts duplicity to the heart. Hypocrisy imparts duplicity to the tongue. And slander wounds the character of another. None of that sounds like brotherly love. It sounds like just the opposite. Just briefly, malice is the feelings of hostility and strong dislike with the implication of possibly desiring to do someone harm. Not brotherly love. These are feelings of hate. Very popular in 2021. To hate something or someone and pretend that you're, I don't know, it's not okay. Malice delights in another's hurt. A pure heart can't grow with feelings like that. It can't, it can't grow with that idea being harbored. There's no room for it. There is no place for it in Christ's church. Deceit, lying, trickery, falsehood. This flows out of malice. It's born out of malice. And it takes aim at the soul of another. If deceit imparts duplicity to the heart, saying one thing meaning another, hypocrisy imparts, or thinking one thing or doing one thing and meaning something else, hypocrisy imparts duplicity to the tongue. Hypocrisy is the, the art of hiding your own heart, hiding your heart away while pretending to be something that it isn't, something you aren't. There's no way for brotherly to ex- brotherly love to exist under these circumstances. You just can't. If we can't be real, how can we really love? If we're putting on a show, we're we're not being genuine. And you can't love someone, you can't love people like that. They can't love you because they're they're loving some candy-coated shell, not the real you. What good does that do? Nothing. No good at all. Envy. Pining after another's good. Wishing to have what they have and hating them for having it. Like you deserve it and they don't. Sound like brotherly love to you? It sure doesn't to me. Envy loses sight of the good that you already have in favor of the good that somebody else has. And that that jerk ought to give it to me because I'm way better and I deserve it. No, no you don't. The Bible's very clear about what we deserve, right? Yeah. Death. Okay? Not a not a bigger house. No, not heated leather seats. Death. Okay? even though we're buying a car with heated leather seats. <laughs>
<laughs> but it's old, so it's fine. Malice, deceit, envy, slander, hypocrisy, slander, super popular. Love it. Everybody loves it, right? Very popular vice. Wounding the character of another. Speaking ill of another when they aren't there to defend themselves. Sometimes masks itself as constructive criticism or prayer requests. I'm being benevolent by ripping my brothers and sisters apart. Right? Elevating yourself over someone else. Making someone else look bad to make yourself look good. I, I know that I'm just talking to the people on the Internet because, like, you guys aren't you're totally, totally good here. Slander is slander no matter how you dress it up. These are the old filthy rags that we are to put off, according to Peter according to the Holy Spirit. These are vices that are all poisonous to brotherly love. Poisonous to holy living. And like I said, it's by no means a comprehensive list. But these are five things that certainly take aim at the church acting like the church. Loving one another. J.P. Lang said, the vices to be laid aside bear upon the relation to our neighbor and exert a deadly influence on brotherly love. He couldn't be more right. He also wrote, they had been addressed as children of obedience. Now their young and tender state is mentioned as a reason why they should seek strength in the word of God. It's not just about taking stuff away but it's about replacing it with what you ought to have. Taking off the old clothes, but putting on the new clothes in the word of God. Now at the time, uh, when we see Peter calls them newborn infants, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, the problem that we have is we're, over 2,000 years separated from this. So the expressions and idioms are hard for us to understand. So is, is Peter calling them babies? No. At the time, newborn babes, the, the word that was used here was a current expression among the Jews for proselytes, for converts to Judaism. According to Lang, at least, the commentaries I wrote, read, this is the commentary I wrote, that's the one I read. <laughs> this is a common expression, newborn babes. And Peter adopted the phrase to cover those who are newborn in Christ as well, to those who are starting out. And, you know, the more I think about that, the more I think, I don't care how long we've been at this. We're all starting out. There is certainly a lot of room for us all to grow. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So this begs the question, what is spiritual milk? And what is its significance? I think this is probably the most important thing that we could figure out today. 
Both the Apostle Paul and the writers, writer of Hebrews use the same expression of, uh, of milk. 1 Corinthians 3.2 and Hebrews 5.12. Paul writes, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. And Hebrews says, chapter 5, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Well, what does that sound like? It sounds like from those verses that milk is something that we should start with and move on from. Right? Move on as we grow. We started with milk. Eventually, we've got to get to meat or potatoes, I guess, if you're vegan. Uh, vegetables. It's tofu. Sorry. Yeah, you're batting a thousand here in the front row. Well, Peter doesn't agree with that idea that milk is something we start from and start with and move on from. Not at all. Peter seems to suggest that we should continuously long for it. Long for for pure spiritual milk. The word he uses indicates an intense recurring desire. Right? Nursing moms. Moms who have nursed. Right? You know what that's like. Way more than me. So is this pure spiritual milk that Peter's talking about the rudimentary doctrines of, of Christianity? Is it the basic building blocks? Well, I don't think it is. I don't think that's what Peter is referring to at all. In fact, the words we have here in English don't really help point to Peter's meaning all that well. The word translated spiritual this word gets translated spiritual several times in the New Testament. And every time it's like, well, I guess, but there's got to be a better word. Sometimes the word is translated reasonable. Um, like Romans chapter 12, Paul says this is your reasonable act of worship. Sometimes in some translations say your spiritual act of worship. It's the same word, but it doesn't really mean that. I don't know why it's translated that way, but I am kind of an armchair uh, translator, so I'm no expert here. But from what I read, this word, spiritual, more accurately, more accurately means genuine. It means unadulterated, unaltered. This is milk that is true to milk's essential nature, unclouded, not watered down. Cold. Raw milk, straight from the cow, right? This is, this is milk that is unclouded by human wisdom, by human traditions, and by human error. See, when we think about, like, we, okay, I guess I can't speak for you here, but you keep coming back, so I can't be all wrong. We, like, we like it here. Like, we like how church is. 
We like how things are done here. Right? Except for Grace. She decided that's it. <laughs> right? And so we think that because we like it, we're getting it right. And that's not necessarily true. I want to think that it's true. But that it, just because we like it doesn't mean we're, we're getting it right. Um, that we have our own traditions. Uh, some people would say we're fairly untraditional or non-traditional. And I would say, no, we just have a different set. We have a different set of traditions. I mean, just because our pews are angled a little bit doesn't totally set us apart from the rest of the world. But we have our, we have our own ways of doing things. And that's not wrong necessarily unless that stuff starts to cloud what the Bible really teaches. If, 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 our, if we prefer our way of doing things more than the Spirit's ability to say, I think you need a, you need a little adjustment here. Things need to change a little bit. You're not quite, you're not quite there yet. Just because we like it doesn't mean it's right. Sometimes even us, even Crossroads Church allows the pure spiritual milk to be clouded by human tradition and error. So this is not rudimentary doctrine that Peter's talking about. He's not talking about the ABCs of Christianity exactly. It's simply genuine doctrine. It's genuine understanding, pure and simple. St. Augustine also wrote, Christ the crucified is milk for babes and food for the advanced. Like we can't get to the point where, you know, I, I am so educated in Christian doctrine that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is no longer of any use to me. We can't get to the point where the simplicity of faith in Jesus Christ is just, that's nice for you rookies. But us crusty old advanced people, <laughs> no. We use words like penal substitutionary atonement in our conversations <laughs> instead of Jesus died in my place on the cross. Take the burden of my sin. Now, sometimes I... I like to use those big words just to impress Ben. But <laughs> it's simple, pure doctrine that we need to long for. And doctrine, again, it's one of those words, and I can't help it. It just gets used. It just means teaching. It's simple, pure teaching. Christ the crucified. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Sorry, his one and only son, right, the stinking big words, that whoever believes in him will not die, but will have everlasting life. Like, do you really feel, do we really think it's time for us to move on from such elementary teaching? <laughs> I hope not. Who, who do you think you are, right? No way. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3, truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Whoever humbles himself like a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I, I see, it seems to me that Jesus has quite a strong opinion on those of us who think we're beyond such things. So, simply meaning, you have been born again. Live a life corresponding to your new birth. A life of simple trust in Jesus and a hunger for his word. I have a long quote from John Calvin, but it's worth every word. Milk here is not the elementary doctrine which one perpetually learns and never comes to the knowledge of the truth, but a mode of living which has the savor of the new birth. When we surround ourselves to be brought up by God. In the same manner, infancy is not set in opposition to manhood or full age in Christ, as Paul calls it in Ephesians 4, but to the ancientness of the flesh and of the former life. Moreover, as the infancy of the new life is perpetual, so Peter recommends milk as the perpetual ailment, for he would have those nourished by it grow. Malice and hypocrisy belong to those who are habituated to the corruptions of the world. They have imbibed these vices, drank them. What pertains to infancy is sincere simplicity, free from all guile. Men, when grown up, become imbued with envy. They learn to slander one another. They are taught the arts of mischief. In short, they become hardened in every kind of evil. Infants, owing to their age, do not yet know what it is to envy, to do mischief, or the like things. New morals ought to follow a new life. This longing is not not longing for the basics of Christianity, but for the purity of Christianity in God's word, untainted by worldly wisdom, unadulterated by bias and traditions. We have, in fact, tasted that the Lord is good. Amen? Peter's taking that for granted. It's, he's not doubting them. So you, you already know this is true. You already know that God is gracious. We have, in fact, tasted that the Lord is good, that he is gracious and kind. Peter isn't doubting that. He's challenging the church to remember that. You've tasted that he's good. Don't forget. You don't need to add to what he has already given to you. Martin Luther said, This tasting indeed to believe from the heart that Christ has given himself to me and has become my own, that my misery is his and his life is mine. Feeling this from the heart is tasting Christ and tasting that he is good. Simple faith. Simple trust in Jesus, longing for the purity of his teaching in his word. That's it. Shallow enough for an infant to wade in and deep enough for a scholar to drown in. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray. Father, life is complicated. And we thank you that you have simplified it. That all of these things that swirl around, all these spinning plates, are not out of your control. They're not under our control at all. (laughs) Thanks for that reminder. Lord, I pray that you would cause in our hearts to long for pure spiritual milk, genuine, pure and simple teaching of Jesus. That our misery is yours and your life is ours. You took our sins upon your own shoulders on the cross and were raised again that we might become new creatures adopted by you, part of your family. What a wonderful gift. May we never move on from that simplicity. But as little children, simply believe what you said. And obey, trusting you with everything that we have and all that we do. May all that we have and all that we do bring you glory. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire. 03890